Welcome back to Pastor's Prophecy Hour, your midweek installment of the Greater Life Church podcast. I'm Landon, and I'm here again with Pastor Andrew to talk about this next episode. Pastor Andrew, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? Well, I'm going to be revisiting the mark of the beast in the beginning. Uh, There's some current events that I've found that shed some new light on this idea of the mark of the beast. Interesting. And you have some videos linked on our website. If you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, this episode, as well as all the other episodes of Pastor's Prophecy Hour, has a link in the description. Clicking on that link will take you to this episode on our website. There you'll find the images and full video clips for this episode with timestamps that show when they're talked about in this episode. And I really love how, Landon, you've been able to provide that extra context. So even listening to the podcast and when they have a moment to check out those extra resources, it really paints the whole picture. After we talk about that, we're going to get into New Jerusalem. We're going to talk about the new heaven, the new earth, and even have some fun talking about our glorified bodies and what that looks like. Sounds like a fun one. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Let's get into it. Thanks, Landon. Tonight's topic, New Jerusalem and the modern Tower of Babel. Before we get into that, I'd like to acknowledge the fact that maybe you're with me in this. How many of you are disappointed in politicians? (laughs) I think we've got a unanimous consent there. Uh, In general, it honestly, one of, the, one of the things that we've been talking about here in the past few weeks, at least, is that when we put our egg of hope, our eggs of hope in the basket of the politician, we're going to be disappointed. They're not supposed to be the savior of the world. Pick a side, pick any side, pick a politician, but I can guarantee you that they will disappoint you. Even to the point, pick a pastor. You with me? And and you may get disappointed. Certainly not here at Greater Life Church, but, (laughs) no, just kidding. (laughs) But at the end of the day, listen, people will disappoint. And so our hope is not in politicians, it's even not in pastors, preachers, and our CEO of our company. Our hope is not in those people. Our hope is in the Lord. And so when our hope is in the Lord, I can guarantee you that you will not be disappointed. However, there will be times and seasons where you wonder what's next. Do you find yourself in that place? Where you wonder what's next? I, I find myself watching the news one week and thinking, oh, surely... Jesus is coming tomorrow. And then I watch the news or I consider something or I read of something and I think, oh, surely revival is about to happen. And the two, if I could say, the two that one of the things we've learned is they don't really line up together. Let, let, me, let me explain. Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 3 lays out this climate of the world, lays out the climate of of the church. I won't get into it specifically, but it talks about itching ears of people going and listening to teachers that 
give them what they want as opposed to the gospel which is supposed to change us, not us change it, right? 1 Timothy 3 lays out this idea that there is before the day of the Lord a great falling away. In other words, right before Jesus returns, it's my feeling that there's a great falling away not a great revival. Can I just tell you, the greatest revival that has ever happened is going to happen during the Great Tribulation. That's what the Bible teaches, is that many will come to faith during the tribulation, the point of the tribulation, the point of the wrath of God, the point of judgment, the point of the earthquakes and the, and the seals and the trumpets and all these things, the whole point is that is God's last effort to say, I am here. I am willing to make life hard for a moment to save you for eternity. And so when we think about it that way, then when I begin to read the headlines, I believe in my heart that the return of Christ is imminent. The rapture, I mean, the rapture of the church is imminent and then the return of Christ to follow after seven years. I believe that. So if God is not done with us, then it's my prayer that there is a great revival. And you, have you, how many of you guys have ever heard it said that it'll get worse before it gets better, right? So I believe that. But are we really ready for it to get bad for the sake of souls? Are, are we really okay with not being able to pay the mortgage or put gas in our car or eat a variety of foods are we really okay with our world coming to a place of challenge, to say the least, for the sake of souls? Because in the end, Jesus, when he teaches about the end times, he lays out a lot of things that happen bad. And he just says, then, when you see all these things, look up. I mean, I think there's a lot of bad in the world, but I also believe that God's doing some great things in the world too, right? So, gosh, what was it, January, February or something? We've been doing Pastor's Prophecy Hour all year. We took a break in the summer for a little bit, but the beginning of the year, I found myself drawn to the headlines, and we talked about a lot of those things, and they're very weird, but we talked about... And if you, if you want to get caught up, the podcast, go back and listen, because we even talked about aliens. We did. But at the end of the day, the headlines and the political climate of not just our nation, but our world has kind of taken second chair for me now. The headlines are crazy, but they were crazy in January. They were crazy in March of 2020 when everything shut down. And how many of you guys still look back at that? How did, how did that happen? So 
Let me begin with a couple of current events just that I think is interesting. The mark of the beast. There's been this idea throughout my life that I remember back when the movies began to come out of the rapture, that it was a tattoo. It was a barcode tattooed on you. And then there was a lot of news articles about credit cards and how every credit card had these three numbers in it somewhere, 666. And then, well, first of all, let me just take a survey of the room. How many of you guys have a credit card? Oh. <laughs> and then it became a microchip. And they didn't even wait for the microchips to become sanitary with the little, you know, covering. And it was, they're going to put a microchip like, you remember, computers used to be like the size of a garage. They're going to put a microchip like this. And then they said, well, this is it. They're going to attach it to you somewhere. It's going to have your forehead's going to stick out like a box. And anyway, and then that was it. And here we are still looking at the, current events and saying, now that's it. Now that's it. Now that's it. And one of the things we talked about even last week is the mark of the beast is less about a physical thing, I think, and more about a loyalty or a spiritual choice. How? Well, I had a little nine-year-old, I think. Shannon, where are you at? How old is Jeremiah? Nine? He had a conversation with me about the mark of the beast before tonight. He said, I got rangers tonight, but I want to know about the mark of the beast. I said, okay, let's talk. So we talked. And uh, I remember when my phone, you had to punch in a code to unlock it. And then I got a new phone. And then I put my thumbprint on it. And then I held out because I didn't want to release the thumbprint. I, I liked the button. But now I have the one without the button, and how do I unlock it? So who has my face? <laughs> Everybody. The same people that have my thumbprint, they now have, and it, it, we laugh. And, and I'm not saying that's the mark of the beast, but I'm saying, here's what I think might be what could happen. I've got a short video, it's bad quality, it's the one that's like this. <laughs> this is in China. <laughs> How did he just buy his food? Facial recognition. Now, China has rolled out, we've talked about it before, but I'll just remind you, China has rolled out something called a social credit system, which basically says if you speak ill of the government, then you no longer are allowed to get a loan or to buy a car or to even rent a house. You are in this social credit system and you've been downgraded to a lower citizen and you are no longer able to do a lot of things that regular citizens do that are in good standing with social credit. So how quickly the switch could be flipped in China today that if I'm buying things with my face and my social credit score is here because I said something about the government, now I can't even buy groceries. With me? There's another video. It's uh, Amazon. First came the credit card swipe and then the tap, and now just a wave of the hand can process a payment. So the future just keeps coming. Let's check in with Fast. Jason Carr in the carport. Uh, Jason, what the mark of the beast is going on? <laughs> 
At a time when Elon Musk has monkeys playing Pong with their brains, scientists are growing half-monkey, half-human embryos, and UFOs are becoming a more real you know, phenomenon, this seems on par or even a bit subdued by comparison or contrast. Amazon is rolling out palm scanners at one of its Whole Foods stores in Seattle. The technology called Amazon One allows shoppers to pay for their purchases by holding their hands above a scanner. Before you can use it, you have to give the company your credit card information and palm print. Amazon has been testing the system at its Amazon Go and Amazon Go grocery stores. The company plans to bring it to eight Seattle area Whole Foods stores in the coming months. So, even the reporter, what in the mark of the beast is going on here? <laughs> right? But at the end of the day, if you were given the opportunity for the sake of convenience, would you sign up? Okay, raise your hand if you have an iPhone. You already have. Right? I ain't mad at you. I got one. And I don't want you to fit. This is not Mark of the Beast. <laughs> Did he just say I had the Mark of the Beast? No, no, no. <laughs> I said for convenience. Because Revelation 13 tells us about the Mark of the Beast. In Revelation 13, we see in uh, verse 17... He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand and on the forehead. What did we just see? What did they scan? Hand and... <laughs> right hand and the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one who with understanding solve the meaning and the number of the beast, for it is the number of the man. His number is 666. Now, let me just help you as a believer. My, my prayer is that everyone in here is a believer, and what I believe as a follower of Jesus is that I never have to worry about the mark of the beast because I'm going to go in the rapture of the church and I'm not going to be here when all those things are implemented, the Antichrist and so on and so forth, the beast being the one world government system, all these things. However, it kind of would go like this. You get your new phone. The government has now been established and guys were going to a quicker, more convenient system of payment. So we want you to go through the process of Amazon One or scanning your face ID. You see, you get your phone. Set up new government system now. Because you can say skip or set up now. So you say set up now. Okay. Uh, agree to conditions. How many of you guys read the conditions? Agree to, you read the conditions? <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy, I need to start reading conditions for everybody. <laughs> So here's the thing, I do not believe that this is something that people will be fooled into. Don't, don't be mistaken. The mark of the beast, the scripture tells us that this is now you are pledging loyalty to the Antichrist and his government, to the beast. But what it could say maybe is, is that I agree and fully support this particular government leader, whatever it might be. Oh yeah, I'm down with that, boom. Scan complete, thank you. See how quickly that can happen? And now loyalty has been pledged. Now here's the thing. It's not, it's not there to scare you, but I'm showing you that we have explored all kinds of technologies from biomedical markings, 
We have explored everything from microchips and everything in between. And maybe I'm just saying it's easier, simpler than that. Because all of these things, we think of the countries or the places that they don't have this technology. And I'm telling you, you can go to almost every country, almost every area of the world, the one that you don't think has any technology, you can go and there's going to be phones in the hands of the people that live there. And, and there's a, a thing called Starlink that Elon Musk has sent up into the sky that basically is internet for the whole world, no matter where you are. So all of these things happening is more connectivity for the world that when things happen, guess what? Satellites that pipe internet into the world don't have issues with. Outages. Scripture talks about earthquakes. Water turning to blood, wars, all of these things that will happen in the tribulation would probably knock out your cell service and your internet unless it's in a satellite above the earth. Are you with me? How could they use this payment system when we don't have internet? <laughs> well, problem already solved. So I say that to say, one of the arguments for the church, end time prophets, so to speak, has been technology challenges. But can I tell you, one of the reasons we're talking about end times is because technology challenges are no longer even existent. The technology is in place for not only the mark, but the system and the government to fall in line. They even said it on this thing, the news story. Uh, believe, was it Kirk Cameron's Left Behind where they talked about aliens? Yeah, and I remember when it came out, like, yeah, right. Nobody's gonna believe that aliens beamed everybody up. I mean, you guys have heard way more about UFOs than you've ever heard about in your life, right? It is becoming more and more talked about and more and more commonplace and can I tell you that the devil is evil and his agenda is real and many times the stage is set before the announcement is needed to be made. So I can tell you if an announcement was made about some terrestrial or extraterrestrial issue or thing that took away all the bigots, all the ones that told you there was only one way to heaven are now no longer with us. We are free to do what we want. Can you imagine? So let's um, not end on that note. Let's be encouraged. You, you guys ready to be encouraged? So tonight we're going to talk about New Jerusalem. We're going to talk about the modern day Tower of Babel. But before we get encouraged... One more current event. Play the video of the big bull thing. Welcome to Birmingham. me 
the greatest pleasure to declare the 22nd Commonwealth Games open. So, you can find dozens of videos of this thing in full with all of the prophecies and symbolisms, but I'll just make it simple. That's a celebration opening of games, and, and if you really want to go down a rabbit hole, then you can look up Super Bowl um, halftime shows. You can look up Olympic opening ceremonies. You can look at these things in the past few decades, and there's symbolism of worship and of Satanism and of Luciferianism in a lot of these things. It's a normalizing of worshiping the beast, of worshiping humanism. We are to be worshiped, not God to be worshiped. Um, the commentator, the, the thing that was rising out of the ground, the, the tower, the commentator even says, uh, here in Birmingham, we have our own Tower of Babel. And so they're saying the mark of the beast comment from the reporter, the, re the comment about the Tower of Babel, they're saying these things as if this is a big joke. So the days of Noah that Jesus talked about, as it was in the days of Noah, where every thought was evil. It is becoming a place and an atmosphere where there is no fear of God. There is no reverence of Him who created everything. Uh, let's make a big joke about worshiping a calf or worshiping a beast. If you zoom in on this thing, the Bible says in Revelation 17 that there is a woman who comes riding in on a scarlet beast. And, and, and you can unpack it and look at it and say, well, that's not it. And I don't believe that is it. I'm just saying somebody, can I just be honest? Somebody read this passage in Scripture and said, let's mock it. Let's just be so audacious that we can mock that. If you zoom in on the cow's head, you'll see names. The Scripture says that on the beast's head are names that blaspheme God. And I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I read, this, I read the scripture passage. I said, let me click here. Oh, there's names, people's names on the head of this beast. Now, all that being said means that the world is becoming more and more acclimated to the idea that there is no God, that we create our own gods that we, humanism, are God, and what we say is God is God. There is no absolute, there is no moral compass, there is no black and white, and that's the days of Noah, right before the flood. Now, one other thing that caught my attention uh, about this ceremony is, and if you watch more of it, that these these people basically go into a worship service. They bow. They're constantly doing this. It's a whole thing. And it grieves your spirit. 
and they're so lost. Now, Prince Charles, who said, welcome to the Birmingham Games, was the same one that said, quote, we need to have climate resources in the trillions given to him so he can do all the changes that is need to be made even if it's by force. Now, he said that in a press conference or in, somebody got footage of him speaking at some type of an event and he wasn't supposed to say him. He was supposed to say given to the cause or given to this purpose, but he said him. Who's him? Well, understand, guys, there are people in the world that are just evil. They've already chosen their side, right? And they've made their, they've made their choice. They're devoted to that cause. And we can't live and be naive to the whole idea and say, oh, well, they don't mean, <laughs> they don't mean bad. They just made a mistake. Well, that's not the case more and more every day. All right, let's be encouraged. How many of you guys need a little bit of encouragement tonight? The new heaven and new earth. The old must be gone. The old earth must be destroyed. I'm, I, we're getting to the encouraging part. Okay. <laughs> like, well, that's not encouraging. <laughs> the, the old. Hey, listen, how many of you guys like new stuff? All right, what do you do with old stuff? Unless you're a hoarder or a pack rat or something like that, you're supposed to throw the old stuff out. Now, I'm a shoe person, so I have old shoes, and I think I have more shoes than my wife. I know I have more shoes than my wife, but anyway. I, my old shoes become my grass mowing shoes. My grass mowing shoes become my grass mowing when there's mud shoes. And I've created this never-ending cycle to where I have shoes in the garage and then further out in the garage and then further out. In the, and I got shoes under my deck now, that, uh, but I need them. I need them. <laughs> Save the souls. <laughs> and the dad joke of the night goes to Mr. David Robertson. That was a good one. The old must be gone the old earth must be destroyed. Jesus, who holds all things together, will let go. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, it tells us that Jesus existed before all things and he holds all things together. We did a study a while back on this thing, this protein that was found in the human body that is the glue of the DNA. This was a study done by, uh, in a message that was preached by uh, Louis Giglio, I believe, some years ago, that dug into this idea, what holds all things together in the human body? What is the glue that makes the cells stick together? Well, it's this thing called laminin. That is the DNA or the genetic makeup of laminin. It literally has two arms that go off the side and it has a central uh, thing that holds those things together. This has been discovered to be the glue that holds the cells together. Cool, right? Let's see it in real life. There it is on the left. If you didn't know that that was the one that was real, it's on the left. <laughs> Just to help you guys. I know we're not all scientists here, all right? Anyway, I think, you know, the fingerprints of God are all over us and his creation. Amen. And every time I find something about, 
out about like this. I just love to be able to share that. But Jesus, in the end, will basically let go and the world will be no more. There will be a new age with new rules. There will be no sea, which is interesting because currently in our bodies, we're two-thirds percent water and whatever we ate, right? So the sea, to take this idea, how can there be a world without the sea? Can you imagine that means there's no beach? When I picture heaven, I picture the beach. And then I picture a golf course. And then I picture a giant bathtub that's always full of hot water ready for me with the Golden Corral buffet right beside the bathtub. (laughs) And it just goes through like this. I know, you're thinking Golden Corral, gross. Listen, listen. It's not about when I eat there, it's how I feel afterwards, amen? Like, man, when I'm in it, it's great. All right. <laughs> but I, I had this, this thought of how can there be a world with no sea? Well, it's found in Revelation as the world is laid out. That the sea, some people believe that the sea is just speaking of the Mediterranean Sea. In Revelation 21, 1 is where it talks about there will be no sea. But I, I kind of get caught in this tension of taking the book of Revelation literally and symbolically. Because there is symbolism there. But there is also literal illustrations there that when it says that this happened I believe that that's going to happen when it says that there is a woman riding on a beast then I believe that's symbolic of the government and the religious the religion one more religion that supports that government so what does the world without a sea look like I bring that to your attention because Jesus told the disciples and even those that chose to follow him that they would be rewarded, that they would be blessed, that they would reign with him, right? So when I think about that, initially I think, think of all the believers, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, how many people have believed upon the Lord and are going to be in heaven? So it gets crowded in my mind. But this new thing that the Lord showed me this week is that there's no sea and the earth being, I think it's 70-something percent water, we just got a lot more room. But there's not, there's not, um, not to give you a, a fault, you know, don't worry because there is water, it's called the river of life. And there still is the presence there of water, it's just, it takes away this seed. And the reason why I bring all that up is the world as we know it now is not gonna be the world like we see it then. The world as we understand it now, our minds cannot even grasp what it is then. How many of you guys have heard it taught or heard it considered that the Garden of Eden that was established is now over the whole world? But our only concept of the Garden of Eden is what we see when we go to Biltmore and see the gardens, or we go to the Rose Gardens, or we walk in a public park, and and can I tell you, that's ghetto compared to what it's supposed to look like? It's beautiful, and I thank God for the beauty of his creation, but can I tell you, the, the moment that sin came into the world, it started falling apart. You with me? Some of you are offended that I use the word ghetto in pastor's prophecy hour. 
but all of you understand what I meant. Now, let's talk about the glorified body. We're going to get to New Jerusalem in just a minute, but I want to establish something that we will not live in New Jerusalem and in heaven in these bodies. And can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And I had three conversations with people during dinner tonight about carbohydrates. And if you, if you know, you weren't the only one. There's three people I had to talk about. As I was feeling guilty about partaking in the carbohydrates tonight, I had to remind myself that there's a glorified body on the way. Come, come on. Now, I used to always think, what would Andrew Bird's glorified body look like? And I used to think, okay, it's, the, it's when I, right when I got out of Marines. That's, that's it. But can I just tell you, I don't think that's it. Because when I got out of Marines, I was 135 pounds and six foot tall. And I think the Lord would be worried if I showed up like that. Like, go back to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You got to go through again, man. Something's happening. Something's, something's happening here. <laughs> What's going on with you? But the older and older I get, the more I recognize how thankful I'll be for a glorified body. Because <laughs> what hurt today wasn't hurting yesterday. The Bible tells us that there will be specific occupants in heaven. Revelation 21, uh, 7 and 8, everyone who believes that the Lord Jesus Christ is born of God, uh, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is 1 John chapter 5. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love of God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There are occupants limited to. It is a club. There is an access point, and his name is Jesus. And that is the only way. And there isn't any amount of purgatory that anyone can go through to get, and let me just suffer a little bit. It's either an eternity of suffering or it's an eternity of blessing. There is no in-between. The new rules are like this. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more decay. The second law of thermodynamics, which is called the law of entropy, no longer exists. That law says that things are moving constantly to a state of disorder. Think of your yard if it's left alone. It gets bad fast. The movie that you watch about Anything, pick something. I mean, every other movie that comes out nowadays is, is an end-time apocalyptic type movie. And it starts up, it's been 50 years since people roamed the earth. And then you see these buildings in disarray and, and deers running across New York City's landscape. And so you, so you see how quickly things can fall apart. But I'm telling you that Jesus is going to take away all of that decay because the old is now gone and the new is come. The glorified body, John chapter 20, 19, and John chapter 
20, verse 26 talks about Jesus appearing behind locked doors to the disciples. So here's what your glorified body is going to be able to do. Appear. Just like that. So I just picture that the disciples are huddling. The Bible says they were huddling because they were scared. And then Jesus appeared. Guys, right? Fear not. And in, John, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is sitting and having a meal. And then the Bible tells us he prays over the bread and disappears. I am really excited about this part because I can just be there or Jesus walked in his glorified body with the, with the people in Emmaus. So catch this. You can take a walk or you can just be there because right now it's just walking or driving, right? But how, how many of you guys, I, sometimes I like to walk so I could take a walk, but sometimes I could just be there. And that's part of having a glorified body because the laws of physics that we are limited by right now in a new earth are no longer applicable. Now, I got to hurry. Actually, I, I, I got five more minutes because I got to get New Jerusalem. Well, that was underwhelming. <laughs> My goodness. If you have to. All right, five more minutes. Come on, let's fly. New Jerusalem. Scripture tells us in, um, in Revelation, it lays out what New Jerusalem is. I won't read through it. It's 1,500 miles cubed. If each layer of New Jerusalem was 1,000 feet high, that's as tall as the Empire State Building, then the layers, and the layers were laid out on the earth that currently exists, and the earth had no oceans, then it would take 89 earths to provide enough room for the square miles that's in New Jerusalem. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a big city. There is plenty of room for everyone. I read a study that said 106 billion people have lived since the beginning of time. And this was a creation-type study, not evolution-type study. 106 billion people have lived since the beginning of time. If everyone made it into heaven, which they won't, if everyone was allowed into the holy city, then there would be enough room for you and I to have a home, catch this, of just under one square mile. When I say square, I mean this cube. Uh, okay. Not only that, but let me help you, because how many of you guys know your house is how many square feet? So your house in New Jerusalem, 2.25 million square feet, enough to have a gym and a game room. I'm telling you, man. And this, this makes the glorified body make a lot of sense, because now I've got to just appear into the kitchen and then appear into the bathroom and then appear over here so because you know there ain't no walking that i'm gonna need eternity to make it from one side of the house to the other side of the house are you with me come on we having fun tonight it's made of gold this city the streets are gold there's a crystal river that's called the water of life there's 12 gates of new jerusalem made each of one pearl there's a tree of life that has 12 crops of fruit 
a fresh crop for each month. I've got to put pause on the modern day Tower of Babel, but we're going to go back into it next week, I promise. But let me just show you some artist renderings of New Jerusalem, and maybe you could pick which one you like. Let's go through those pictures. This is how big this thing is on the current earth. 1,500 miles. Big place. Beautiful. Now, let me stop you right there, Tony. You need a glorified body. You know why? Because the Bible does tell us that New Jerusalem comes and hovers. It, it, it isn't in place. It's over the earth. So if we didn't have glorified bodies that we could just appear, then how do we get from, new, how do we get from our city house to our country house on the earth? Now, listen, next week, I've changed our topic. We'll do the modern day Tower of Babel. We'll get to that. And then I want to talk to you about food. There's some shocking things happening in our food. And so I want to share some of those things with you. But you can also be reminded that you get a glorified body. So, you know, use discretion certainly on what you eat. But None of these things are supposed to bring fear to the believer. Amen? We are to be in a place where we're reminded that Jesus is coming soon and we can look up with expectation. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, have your way. Do your work and use this people to do it. And I pray, God, that we would every day seek your face for the assignments that you've called us to. God, bring revival in the land. Before you come back, Jesus, give us another opportunity to reach souls for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to Pastor's Prophecy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you'd like to hear more from Greater Life Church, including our Sunday morning services, go to our website, greaterlife.church.